0: Yeah, no, no,
1: Good evening, and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to tune in this evening. I have a great show lined up for you with several awesome stories to share. But before we get started, I want to remind everyone that if you have a story you'd like to share, simply call the hotline at one 888 608 night That's 1-888-608-6444. The call is 100% free and the hotline is open 24 hours a day. If you're not the talkative type, head on over to the website at MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com and click on the Report Your Sightings tab for more submission options. Now, without further hesitation, let's get into tonight's episode. Growing up in the rural part of Ohio, my brothers and I quickly learned that we needed to entertain ourselves if we were to stay sane. This included, but didn't limit us, to activities such as playing backyard sports, building forts, and creating adventures. One of those particular adventures was an activity that is now known as legend tripping. Well into our adulthood, we would spend many a night driving the back roads of southeast Ohio, searching out rumored ghostly hotspots and known paranormal epicenters. Typically, during these excursions, we only ended up scaring ourselves. But on the rare occasion, something would happen that would give one pause. That little burst of adrenaline would be enough to carry us on to the next adventure. It's a similar situation that our first color of the evening details. The following is Katie's experience out of Illinois.
0: um, I love your podcast and um, yeah I was 18 at the time and I was living in a small town in Illinois. Full disclosure I was kind of addicted to drugs at the time but during my encounter I was in N.A. and I had been sober for I want to say two maybe three months But one of the major problems I had was massive boredom. (laughs) So one day I was at a 24-hour truck stop with my best friend at the time and her two brothers. And they were telling me about a small, small town close by, about 30 minutes away from where we were, that there was this road that was haunted. It was a gravel road in the middle of the woods, apparently, like, on a bridge on this road. If you, like, parked your car and turned your car off, like, handprints would show up on your car because there was, like, a bus accident that happened and the bus turned over, a bunch of kids died. They were telling me that there was a haunted cemetery and there was what they had called the dead man's tree which, according to these three individuals that I was with, um, that if you walked up to the tree with a flashlight and shined your flashlight on it, it would show you how it, you were going to die. Apparently, according to these people, uh, one of them had gotten possessed and a bunch of other crazy stuff happened to them before. So this immediately piqued my interest, uh, mostly because it was like two o'clock in the morning and I was not prepared to go to sleep yet. So I begged them to take me out there. So on the drive up there, they're telling me more stories about what had happened there. Uh, The guy that had said he got possessed, he ended up, according to them, like stabbing the tree with a with a pocket knife and screaming about the devils and stuff and i personally am a complete and utter skeptic when it comes to this stuff like i i'm interested in it but i also want to make sure that there any other logical explanation is completely ruled out on the ride up there they're telling me these stories and i'm kind of laughing them off um, they show me the cemetery, nothing happens there. Uh, they show me the bridge, but my, uh, my best friend, uh, she did not want to stop the car. And I was like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> they take me to the road where the actual dead man's tree is. And what they told me I had to do was called the one man march, which was I had nothing but a flashlight. And I have to march down the hill. They showed me where the tree was at the bottom of the hill. And it was a really weird tree. Um, It had just all sorts of twisted up branches. It was obviously old. The bark was kind of peeling off of it. it. It was a creepy looking tree. So they marched me back up to the top of the hill of this gravel road and they hand me a flashlight. And I lit up a cigarette because that's what I do. And um, I'm like, all right, well, I start screaming, come running for me. And I kind of laugh it off, and I start kind of marching down this hill. And um, they're waiting for me at the top. So as I'm going down this hill, and I've probably gone approximately... Four feet away from the group of people that I'm with. Um, I can still kind of sort of hear them, but I can't see them anymore. The It's pitch black where I'm at. The trees are blocking any form of light coming from the sky. It's warm summer day. As I'm walking down this hill, I the only thing that I can hear is like the mumbling of the group of people that I'm with at the top of the hill. There's no crickets there's no birds, there's no rustling in the leaves, there's no wind, it's, it's dead silent. And that kind of starts to get me nervous, but I'm still, you know, the, nothing's going to happen, so I'm, I'm still, you know, scanning around with the flashlight, smoking my cigarette, and uh, I get to where the tree is coming up to me, and then I start hearing this rustling in the bushes, like, to my left. And I immediately brush that off as, you know, like a raccoon or a squirrel or something, and I take a couple more steps, and the rustling is following me in in the bushes. And so this is starting to weird me out a little bit, so I turn the flashlight over, and I don't see anything. So I'm like, whatever, the flashlight scared the whatever up the tree. Um, My flashlight then hits the supposed haunted tree. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, as soon as my flashlight hits the tree, this thing comes out of the bushes, the thick of the forest or whatever, and um, stops right in the middle of where my, my light has, has hit this tree. And the best way I can describe it is a bigger-than-normal black cat with the whiskers, the cat face, the cat body, the, the cat tail. But the ears on the cat's head were bigger than normal. I, they, I would compare them to almost rabbit ears, but they still looked like cat ears. They were still triangular in shape. Uh, they weren't like, uh, you know, stereotypical bunny ears. Um, and the eyes of this creature were really big they were cat eyes but they they didn't have an iris they didn't have any form of eye parts to them it was just like a solid red color and uh it looked at me and i am just in just shock like i've never seen anything remotely like this at all and uh I look at it, and then it hisses at me, and it was the most, it was not a cat hiss. It was sent sh- chills down my spine. It it made me shake. It, it was the weirdest sound I have ever heard. The only thing I can really compare it to is if anybody knows what rabbits sound like when they're screaming. Uh, that's what this sounded like, only more high-pitched and... Terrifying. Um so I throw my half cigarette at it and I immediately turn around with the flashlight still in my hand and I just start bolting. I am so scared I can't even think to scream at this point. The only thing that gets me to start yelling for the group of people at the top of the hill, approximately maybe twenty feet away from me is uh, the fact that I heard it chasing me and uh, I heard it running and like weaving in and out and around me in the woods and once I realize it's chasing me that's what sparks me to be like ah help Um, so I'm calling for the group of people up on top of the hill and they start running and as soon as my flashlight hits One of the people that come to meet me, it stops. I don't hear it anymore. And so the first one to reach me is the older of the two brothers of my best friend. And he comes to me like, what happened? And I just collapse in the gravel road and I'm hyperventilating. And they have to literally pick me up and take me back to the car. I am paralyzed, essentially, with just fear. So they get me back in the car, and they freaking do 90 miles an hour down this gravel road to get me out of there. They finally get me back to civilization, and I tell them the story, and they had no idea what I saw. So we're sitting there, and we're trying to come up with rational explanations for this. The drug use did come up, but I mean, I had been stone cold sober for months before this happened it's not like I popped my spine and stuff got back up into my brain you know it 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 wasn't a hallucination for as, as far as we could determine um I have talked to many trusted people about this and uh things have come up like it was a spirit that was telling me not to go to the tree to a demonic cat to just you know a weird looking cat but I I don't know. I was just really curious to see if anybody has had any similar experience to that. Um, I have done research on the actual road, and the only thing I could legitimately find was that the cemetery was a family cemetery back in, like, the 1900s, and it hadn't been, like, used, like, new bodies hadn't been put in there for years before I went down there. I don't know that the road I know now in my hometown has been paved and completely modernized, so it's not like the creepy gravel road in the middle of the woods anymore. But, yeah, I just hope someone's got something for me. Um, thank you for listening, and uh, I really like your podcast. Uh, you do a great job, and uh, keep it up. All right, thank you. Bye.
1: Thank you, Katie, for taking the time to submit your story. Like our little trips growing up, yours seemed to blossom out of the same seed. Utter boredom. Unlike our adventures, yours seem to have escalated to a near-life-threatening experience. My first observation would be this. There are many native animals to the state of Illinois that this could be mistaken for. Raccoon, possum, bobcat, and even your everyday house cat could have easily been surprised in the tree and reacted accordingly. The strange eyes could also be explained when considering that whatever animal was in the tree was likely nocturnal. Thus, its eye shine reflected a good deal of light. Of course, that is the easy way to explain this. Having not been there, it is difficult for me to say if any of these creatures look similar enough to be mistaken for whatever it is you thought you saw that evening. In reality, only you have the ability to say whether or not any of those creatures could have been misidentified. My second observation would be the following. It seems that any strange looking tree or natural formation found inside or even near a cemetery, or other spooky location for that matter, is often given a scary name and a scary backstory. I myself am even guilty of this. Near my grandparents farm was a small cemetery from the late 1700s. Near that cemetery was a rather large and rather crooked beech tree which I jokingly referred to as the Devil's Tree. Within weeks, word somehow spread about this tree and a loose backstory even developed. All because of my tongue in cheek reference. So the point being that I have no doubt that you saw something terrifying in that tree, but in all reality the backstory surrounding the location was most likely folklore at best. So it comes down to this. What kind of creature did you stumble upon? Wild speculation aside, your guess is as good as mine. I thank you once again for taking the time to share your story. I really enjoyed the journey that you took us on. Thanks again, Katie. Now, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I often receive submissions that are considerably shorter than most. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that they are less interesting or less creepy. Just shorter. So on occasion, I like to give the short stories their deserved time. So, here we go. Our first submission is one that caught my eye immediately. After all, how do you not read a story titled, Maggot-Like Creature? Hi Derek, I really enjoy your show and lately I've been binge listening religiously. So I decided it was time to submit a story. One night when I was little, about 6, I woke up in the middle of the night. I was too scared of the dark to go back to sleep, so I went into my parents' bedroom and climbed into their bed. I fell asleep, and sometime later I woke up again, and decided to climb back into my own bed. I crawled across the bed, about to slip off the side, and I stopped. There in the open doorway was some creature that resembled a giant maggot. It stood on three fat legs, and didn't appear to have feet, just a big cylinder with claws protruding from the end. It had a wide, worm-like torso, no head, but a giant circular mouth at the top of its torso, surrounded by layers of pointy teeth. It was white in color, and its whole body was covered in wrinkles. It didn't turn towards me or make any noise, it just stood in the doorway, swaying the upper part of its torso back and forth. I didn't scream or wake my parents like I wish I did, I just did what any kid would do and scrambled back into my parents' bed and pulled the sheets over my head, praying it would go away, until I fell asleep. The next morning, nothing was there. I never saw it again. I didn't even tell my parents until a couple years later. I know this was probably nothing. It felt very unreal and dreamy, and I only remember it vaguely. While I do know it was probably nothing but a sleepy kid with an overactive imagination Sometimes thinking back on it, it makes you wonder if maybe it was something beyond that. Thanks for taking the time, and I hope the show keeps running smoothly. Our next brief entry is one of the big bird variety. This is from listener Matt in West Virginia. It was a normal summer day in a wooded area of an old steel town in West Virginia. I woke up early to walk through the woods and have a nice morning hike. The area was mostly overgrown, with just a few deer trails to follow. I came over a hill and into a flat area with trees surrounding it. As I got to the other side of it, I heard a crashing above me in the trees. I looked up, just in time to see these large shapes through the trees, at least five or six feet across. I've been a hunter all my life, so at first I thought they were simply turkeys. I instantly knew they were too big, though. I couldn't think of any turkey I'd ever seen even world record ones that big. It would have to have been at least two to two and a half times as big. I hightailed it back home and didn't go back to the area for about six months. It had unnerved me that much. I still don't know what they could have been, but I'll never forget that day. And finally, this next submission is reminiscent of a few calls that have come in over the past several seasons. It was 7 p.m., I was wrapping up my workday. It was autumn, so it was dark outside, and I was eager to get home. I was the only one left in the office, and I was uncomfortable being there alone. I was cross-eyed and tired when I looked up from my desk and saw a white, misty figure glide by my office door. It looked like a runner in a race to the finish line, but it didn't move any limbs as if in motion. Instead, it appeared as a motionless figure that glided. It made me think of a paper doll, and that it was stuck in a running position, moved along by some outside force. At first, I thought it might have been my imagination. That was until I told my boss the next day, and she claimed to have seen it the same morning of my sighting. She explained the same scenario that I experienced. Her office is located the opposite end of the hallway, from mine. We saw it only once, on the same day, and never since. I just want to take a quick moment to thank all three of these submitters for their brief, yet very interesting, submissions. Thanks again. And last, but not least, our final submission of the evening comes to us via Colby in West Virginia.
2: Hey Derek, this is uh, Colby, um, the fine uh, proprietor uh, of the entity known as Captain Cavish. Um Appreciate all the support as of late the show is fantastic and the cryptid crate is just as wonderful so um just want to call you real quick um kind of a weird day for me um today is the fourth anniversary of my father's passing but he is also the reason um that i got into this whole weird wild uh, cryptozoology um appalachian folklore sort of sort of thing that i do um he had some experiences as a child uh, when he was seven or eight years old, he saw um, footprints in the snow, you know what he described as like large footprints that he had to jump from footprint to foot footprints to even keep stride with um, and then about ten years later, he was hunting in the same area and um, he was in a tree stand with his bow and he saw. Basically rocks being thrown in his direction, um, then he heard like other rocks being smashed together and what he described is a scream that he uh, he doesn't, uh, you know, he, he couldn't determine its origin because he was an avid hunter for years. He was also in Vietnam. He's seen some things, heard some things, he couldn't describe this. Um, anyways... That's why I got into it. A tribute uh, That's uh, slash Harry and the Hendersons as a child with a little bit of Alf thrown in there, uh, and Outcomes Cryptozoology seemed uh, punk rock. Now, after my, my father passed, um, some weird things happened. Uh, about three o'clock in the morning, the, the morning that he actually passed, I heard somebody uh, you know yell really loud. They said, "Hey, I woke up." I was like, hey, wh- what, you know, I was like who's talking to me? Well, nobody was talking to me. Um so I'm, I'm I'm up though. Um and then I get the phone call basically that you know, my father who was under hospice care is is passing away right there. So somebody was telling me somehow some way through some channel uh yeah, you need to be awake. So this happens, he passes away. The next morning I get up, you know, I'm like all all obviously in shock. Um I go outside and there's a deer standing in my yard. Like I said, avid hunter, a very diseased, sickly looking deer. Um, even though we live close to the forest, um, there's not really a lot of deer that come to our yard. Uh, you know, because we have we have uh, our pets, our dogs, they just kind of stay away. But there's a random, like sickly looking deer in the yard. I don't know if it was a doe. I don't know if it was like a, a, a young, you know, maybe like adolescent buck. Don't know. Very strange. I was like, okay, that's weird. Um, Shoot, to about two years later, I'm working at a job at a, uh, basically a paper shredding company, and uh, we shred paper for, um, you know, West Virginia University, uh, the hospital facilities here, so millions of pieces of paper coming through a day. Uh, I'm I'm standing in my station, we tip the buckets, uh, all this paper, it's like a a snowfall of paper coming at you, and just out of the blue, this random one piece of paper shoots out right in front of my face, and it has my father's name on it, has my father's signature on it, it was from where he was in the hospital uh, prior to that for uh, some other medical issues, and it's right in front of my face, Yeah, and I'm just like, okay, I I hear you. (laughs) So I think he was trying to possibly contact me uh, and let me know everything is kosher on his side. Um, That's what I'm assuming, at least. I could be dead wrong, but very strange. Um, looks like my five minutes is about up. I shall call you back again with another tale in the future. But um, until then, keep up the great work. Talk to you soon.
1: Thank you Colby for taking the time to submit, and also thank you for the awesome tunes. You may remember hearing a sample of Colby's music in the opener for the season 3 finale. Now right away I'd like to say that I'm sorry to hear about the loss of your father, but it seems that he's still finding a way to stay in contact. People often tell me stories about a loved one trying to reach them from beyond, Many times the encounters described can be easily explained or, at very best, seem just coincidental. I felt this way about the first two experiences Colby reported in his story. Sure, it's strange that a random voice woke him up just before his father's death, and it's also odd that a sickly deer would find its way into his yard, but truth be told, both of these occurrences could be just that, coincidental. But it's the third experience that Colby documents that I can't wrap my mind around. At my old office, the paper shredder guy would show up once a week to collect a trash can full of old papers and scripts. I could safely assume that there had to be at least 5,000 sheets of paper at any given point in that particular receptacle. Now imagine that same man has 20 stops a day, 5 days a week. That's over 100,000 pieces of paper weekly that he handles. What are the chances that a single piece of paper with information only important to him would find its way out of one of those receptacles? I'm no mathematician, but I can't help but think the odds are astronomical. Thank you again, Colby, for taking the time. The very thought of your experience still leaves me shaking my head. And that's going to do it for this episode of Monsters Among Us. But, before I go, I'd like to take a quick moment to thank all those that have written reviews over the past week. I was quite disappointed that I didn't reach my goal of 100 by the beginning of Season 4. But several of you took matters into your own hands, and not only met that goal, but surpassed it. So, thank you for that. And, I think it goes without saying that just because my goal was met, doesn't mean that you can't still submit a 5-star rating and an awesome review. Go out and get yourself a Cryptic Crate. The subscriptions are flowing in, and that's allowing me to procure more and better items for future boxes. So if there was ever a time to join, today is that day. Just head on over to CryptidCrate.com and punch in your information. Speaking of strange coincidences, it just so happens that I will be in close proximity to two upcoming Cryptid events. I plan on attending CryptidCon in Frankfort, Kentucky, on Sunday, September 10th. I do not have a booth, but I'll be wandering the halls, so if you see me, be sure to say hello. In addition, I'm making a trek to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, to experience my very first Mothman Festival. I'll be there on Sunday, September 17th, and just like CryptidCon, I won't have a booth, but if you see me wandering the streets, be sure to say hi. Do me a solid and follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And while you're at it, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. Music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World, 1986 Thank you all for listening, and until next week.